0: This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Chris Brooks here, and I want to thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Did you know that we are funded by the generosity of listeners just like you? Would you help us finish this month strong? Just call 888-644-4144 or give at equipradio.org. Is it possible to have joy even when life is hard? And the four habits of joy-filled people, Marcus Warner and Chris Corsi, show us how to build habits that will fill our lives with joy and satisfaction every day. Based on the latest neuroscience, this book is practical and easy to understand and provides exercises and tools that can help you to live a joy-filled life. Request your copy today when you support Equip this month. Simply call 888 644 4144 or visit equipradio.org Please enjoy the following pre-recorded encore presentation of Equipped with Chris Brooks. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equipped with Chris Brooks. I'm so thrilled that you've tuned in today. Do me a favor. Why don't you strap on your seatbelt? We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I hope you're having an absolutely groovy kind of day. I hope you're enjoying yourself today and that you are experiencing joy in Jesus. Today, I want to have a very important conversation. And here's the big question of to, of the day. Are you happy? How would you answer that if you were asked that question? Are you happy? For some, this is a really tough question for many different reasons. On the one hand, maybe you've never been taught a theology of happiness. So your question really is more... Along the biblical lines, is it even biblical for me to desire happiness? On the other hand, maybe you aren't stuck on theology. Maybe that's not your issue at all. Maybe it's something surrounding much more around the possibility of happiness. Uh, For many, uh, the question really boils down to, is happiness even possible so whether you're living uh, in, uh, on the one end of, of guilt over being happy or on the other hand, end of disappointment over how elusive happiness feels, today's your program. Today, what my guest and I want to do, and hopefully we can pull this off, is to help you to find a way to true, lasting, and God-centered happiness. But as always, I want this to be an interactive conversation. Maybe you are struggling Uh, to find happiness, in particular in light of the pandemic. Maybe you can remember a season uh, where happiness was uh, the way you would describe your life, but now it seems to be, again, all too elusive. I would love to pray for you. I would love to uh, answer questions, and in particular, I have a heart for young adults who are struggling with this anxiety and depression. As you know, we've been talking about this all month. They're real and they're obstacles as it pertains to experiencing this deep sense of lasting and true happiness. And so if you're a mom or a dad and you just want to ask for wisdom on how do I minister to the hearts of my children uh, who seem to never experience deep, meaningful happiness, or maybe you're a young adult navigating through adulting every day, and this is a struggle for you, I want you to call this number. It's 877-LIVE-675-877-548-3675. Again, 877 877- 548 3675. As always, uh, our social media platforms are available to you as well. Today's guest is Barnabas Piper. He's an uh, assistant pastor at Emmanuel Nashville. He's also an author, a speaker, a husband, and a father of two daughters. He uh, co hosts the Happy Rant podcast. If you haven't checked that out, you should. He also blogs in a number of places, writes at a number, number of places. We have all of those good details at our website, EquipRadio.org. Today, I brought Barnabas on to talk about his latest book, Hoping for Happiness. Barnabas, how are you, brother? I'm doing very well. Thanks so much for having me on. All right, so here's the question for you, brother. How how is it, has it felt weird, releasing a book on happiness in the midst of a global pandemic?
1: (laughs) You know, when uh, I turned in the manuscript for the book about two or three weeks before everything started to lock down for, for COVID. And I have wrestled with that very question, trying to figure out is this the absolute worst timing
0: <laughs> or is
1: it the absolute perfect timing? Yeah. And uh, my, I, all I could do is trust that God's going to use the book to encourage those people who really need a, a grounded sense of biblical happiness in the midst yes. of all this um,
0: because it, it certainly seems like something most of us have struggled with at various points in the last year. Yeah, you write that when you started this book, it was with the question, is happiness possible? And on the front end of writing the book, you say that the question, the answer rather seemed obvious, yes. But then you write shortly after I turned in the manis- manuscript, however, COVID-19 pandemic swept the world and all of that happiness disappeared in the space of weeks. And that's true for a lot of people. But I do think that um, what I hope you've seen is that God was providential in having you prepare the book. I know that books are not written overnight, that this was written uh, primarily before the pandemic ever came, and I think his timing has been amazing, as always. Have you gotten uh, that type of affirmation from those who have read through the book?
1: Yeah, I've had some really encouraging interactions with, with people who've had a chance to read it, and just the way that it's, it's helped... It, change perspectives and connect them with some biblical truths that offer a deep grounded sense of happiness which is really my my aim i wanted to kind of split the difference between those people who feel uh skeptical or or suspicious of happiness because they think it's worldly and then people who are kind of manically chasing happiness yeah and it and it seems like pe- it, it seems like for those who have, who have had a chance to read it it's working it's it's connecting with them in that way and i'm really grateful for that
0: Yeah, I want to distinguish as we go further the difference between happiness and joy and peace because a lot of times those things are conflated or confused. But I just want you to describe, again, a little bit more about your personality because in just reading the book, it seems that uh, maybe the way you've described yourself is uh, not so much an optimist. I wouldn't say a pessimist. (laughs) You call yourself kind of a realist, somewhere between being a realist and a cynic, huh?
1: Yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think I use the term recovering <laughs> cynic in there, um, which is a, it, and I, and I mean recovering in the sense that it's ongoing. I think my bent is towards kind of looking a little bit askance at things, kind of finding the, where could this go wrong? So it's not pessimism. Pessimism <laughs> says it will go wrong. Optimism yeah. says it will go well. Cynicism says it could go, you know, where is it going to go wrong? And, uh, and that's sort of, that's sort of my, my personality, And so the book was also written in just out of my own, how, how God has worked in my own perspective to show me where gladness and delight and joy and happiness. And I think, honestly, I think those things are, are all kind of woven together. I don't think there's a clear distinction between happiness and joy. I think when people make that distinction, it's, it, it actually misrepresents both of those things. Cause what is joy without happiness? Yeah, I think it's, yeah. it sounds it sounds confusing to me and it doesn't mean a lot. So just God has has helped me see where all of the, the gladness, peace, joy, happiness can exist, even in a world that sometimes deserves a little bit of side eye, you know, a little bit of that yes. cynical perspective. So that's that's kind of where I'm coming from in it in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, so, you know, I've written a couple books, and for me, it's always helpful when I'm writing to have a person in mind that, that I'm writing to, and I kind of have uh, felt that the more narrow the, the audience, the broader in many ways the impact, because I can get really specific, and everyone who identifies with that type of person really benefit mm-hmm. from the writing. Uh, is it fair to say that your audience, when you're writing in some ways, in particular with this book, is, is actually you?
1: Uh, it's certainly parts of it. It, because the, like parts of it are definitely aimed at people who came from a background like I did. So a conservative Christian background where the idea of being happy or taking pleasure in things was something we had a little bit of suspicion of, and we didn't have a good sense of how to enjoy God's good gifts in this world. And so I was definitely writing to that side and, and trying to give permission to really delight in things that God has given us. But then other pieces are written towards really almost another side of my personality. And it's that side that's constantly looking for the next happiness, you know, the, Mm, mm. the next job, the next accomplishment, the next, whatever it is. So it's never satisfied and it never stops to appreciate what God has given. And I just, I remember a conversation I had with a guy, It it was when I was working a previous job and he said, um, He said, do you love your job? And I said, you know, I'm grateful for my job and I enjoy it. I like my coworkers. I'm doing work that I think is meaningful, but I don't love it. I just, I'm, I'm glad in it. And he said, man, you need to go look for a different job. You need to find a job you love. And so part of it is written to people with that mindset who are constantly looking for like the perfect experience and, and trying to help them see sometimes
0: we have to be grateful for what is not what we're chasing yeah, so whether you're chasing happiness or downplaying happiness, the book really speaks to both ends of that spectrum. All right, I love authors who are bold enough to create new words, right? I just think that's a level of boldness that I have <laughs> not mastered yet. So you created and introduced me to a new word. What is even uh, Evangelical guilt?
1: Yeah, Evangelical guilt is you know, I mentioned, I mentioned just a minute ago, that's that sort of suspicion of happiness that a certain brand of Christian feels, and maybe what it's it because, like? you, yeah, so it, it it's the, you, you'd recognize it by that sense of if you get something new. So I noticed it in my own life, most specifically, I got a new car a couple of years ago, or at least new to me. It's probably the nicest car I've ever owned. And, uh, and when I, you know, I drove it, and met some friends and they were like, Oh, nice car. And my immediate response was to start making excuses. You know, Oh, I got a deal on it. I had a friend at the dealership that got it when it just got (laughs) traded in. So it hadn't gotten marked up yet. Kind of all these things trying to downplay this car and realizing I'm trying to position myself as not worldly in their eyes. That's, that's Mm -hmm. my motivation Mm -hmm. instead of just being like, I know, isn't it great? And just be excited about this. Or the same thing, you know, you go on vacation and somebody's like, Man, I saw your vacation pictures, it looked great, and you're immediately like, Oh, my, my parents flew us out there, they had the place at the beach. And you kind of downplay the lavishness of things or the enjoyment of things instead of just kind of open-handedly saying, I know, how cool is that? Yeah. And and it's it's still a it's still a propensity that I have. So it's yeah, it's that sense of sort of guilt at having good things or
0: enjoying good things that so many Christians have. All right. I'm feeling a little bit of evangelical guilt right now. So I just want you to know that, but I appreciate that. We can uh, go through this therapy together. Maybe you're out there and you're (laughs) listening. Consider this to be your therapy session. It's okay for you to thank God for the new car or the new job or the vacation or just to be in the season of peace. You don't have to apologize or downplay that. The book is actually very liberating for those of us who come from that background. So let me ask the obvious question before we go deep into the heart of the book. Is it wrong to want to be happy?
1: The short answer is no. It's not wrong to want to be happy as long as what we're not seeking happiness in things that don't last. Mm. So enjoying God's good gifts is a good God. Didn't make music and food and nature and these things for us to not enjoy them. He made them so we could enjoy them, but not so that we could put all of our hopes in them. So wanting to be happy is a, is a good thing. We're made for eternity for heaven. There's a desire for happiness, for fulfillment, but not when we base
0: it all in things that aren't lasting and things that are temporal All right. so with that being said we're going to come back and we're going to take some of your calls at 877-LIVE 675 maybe you're dealing with some evangelic guilt or maybe you're just chasing happiness and you're exhausted because the next thing that you thought would bring it actually didn't bring it what do you do with that or what if you're a parent trying to help a team 877 548-3675 Much more to come next up on Equip. This daily program is fully devoted to coming alongside listeners like you to give you the tools needed for a successful walk with God. As one of our loyal listeners, would you be willing to become an equipper? Your monthly contribution will be applied to equipping others all across the country. Plus, as an equipper, I'll send you regular emails that contain brief pastoral messages prepared just for you. To become an equipper now, call 888 644 4144 or go online to equipradio.org. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Barnabas Piper is my guest today. His book, Hoping for Happiness, turning life's most elusive feeling into lasting reality. I love it. I believe it's timely, and I believe it'll be a blessing to your life. Why don't you go to our website, find out more at equipradio.org. Also, I want to make this interactive, so 877-LIVE-675 is the number to call, or our social media platforms are available to you. Here's the question. Is happiness something that we should pursue? Is happiness even possible? I'd love for you to chime in there. Or maybe you just simply have a prayer request or a question about how to actualize that reality. Barnabas, I'm going to take calls throughout the uh, our time together. Let me go to Bruce, who's listening in Woodstock, Illinois. Hey, Bruce, I asked a question. Is happiness possible? What's your answer to that?
1: Okay. uh, Yeah. Should a Christian be happy? In other words, uh, my my answer is what Jesus said in the Beatitudes. You know, blessed are those who do this and that and the other thing. You know, so blessed means happy. You know, but but I wanted to add that it also means be happy doing righteous actions and not you know unrighteous actions. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I appreciate that, Bruce. Thanks for uh, that input. And uh, I love that Bruce uh, brought in a sense of uh, biblical theology to the conversation, Barnabas. So I'm sure mm-hmm. that, you know, Scripture informed your perspective on this. So what did you find as you went into the Word of God and what the Bible teaches about happiness?
1: Yeah, I think Bruce made a just a really helpful point in, in tying to the Beatitudes because there's his, his, uh, translation of blessed is happy is, is, is a pretty good one, you know, as opposed to like, you know, blessings will be poured out on or something like that. And it scripture did, scripture did an enormous amount to shape what I wrote, especially the book of Ecclesiastes, um, which sounds a little bit odd because Ecclesiastes doesn't ring with kind of happy tones for those who are familiar, because it starts (laughs) off with vanity of vanities, all is vanity sort of sounds a little bleak. Mm-hmm. but I think the whole point of Ecclesiastes its part of wisdom literature. So it's talking about how to live well, how to live in a godly manner with a godly perspective. Um, it's saying that it's vanity if we are trying to find eternal fulfillment in something that is not eternal. So he talks about money. He talks about relationships and youth and wisdom and fame and honor and all these things. And then the end he says Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. And and, and he really is saying, like there's and, and throughout he talks about it, it's, you know, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, for these things are the gift of God. And there are these statements of happiness in it. So it's this offset of, yeah, everything in the earth won't deliver happiness if you're looking at it to fulfill your life. Only God can do that. And we know that only God can do that through Jesus Christ. But he is saying, life is full of happy things. Don't miss out on them. So love the wife of your youth. Do your work with gladness. Eat your bread with gladness. Fear God and keep his commandments. But don't bank your happiness on fame, money, wealth, work, whatever it is.
0: Yeah, I love that. And it it helps us to be able to avoid this, um, this fool's gold, if you will uh, being, uh, trusting in things that actually aren't able to deliver. And this world is full of those things. Um, I think about, uh, Peter's writing in first Peter on hope and, uh, his current, uh, constant encouragement that we are called to be a people of hope that we've been mm-hmm. redeemed to a living hope. But he tells us where to place that hope, that we place ultimately our hope fully in Christ. And, uh, and, and that eternal resting place for our hope is what allows it to be sustainable as opposed to placing our hope in things that are fleeting. Uh, let's go to Cynthia who's listening in the great city of Chicago, WMBI. Hey, Cynthia, thank you so much for listening. What's your, uh, comment or question today for Barnabas?
2: Yes. Thank you so much, gentlemen. I've been listening and, uh, here's my situation, uh, the question for me is i'm very accomplished i'm a retired teacher i've had material things i've a uh, freelance writer you know, you name it i've done it uh, sure. i have just so many accolades in the past and uh you know i preach i'm a you know i've been saved and um and the thing is is i see um i know that there is not lasting happiness in things and people circumstances you know i i've got that straight in sure. my mind my uh challenge is being single um mm, mm. you know how do you stay uh happy or
0: hmm. in the
2: alone times like in the yes. in between while I wake for a mate because I yes. know being like a uh, female i the craving the craving for a mate like yes. how do you uh ameliorate that because even though i know i know that now is uh rest time for me and you know i I've done missionary work and things, i mean, and I'm very uh, active in a lot of things, yes. but that's the thing that gets me sometimes because you know in the churches I see there's a lack of fellowship. Like I think that that would help, you know, fellowship, fellowship. But that's not happening. So I'm pretty much a lot of the times alone. Yeah. Uh, and um, you know, and I go through that. But that was my question. The I'm still you know dealing. How do you face that? The craving, the the alone times, which. A lot of the times I'm, I'm
0: okay, but sometimes I just feel like, wow, sure, this sure. is hard. Yeah. Well, let me just say, first off, Cynthia, thank you for your transparency. Thanks for mm-hmm. calling. I think you speak for many of our listeners who have uh, that dealt with that question and maybe laid it before God, Barnabas, in prayer. So what do you say to Cynthia and other singles who are uh, really struggling with that question? I love God, but there's a loneliness mm-hmm. there
1: yeah and i i'm gonna i'm gonna double down on what you said in terms of expressing real appreciation to cynthia for the willingness to to speak vulnerably that's a you know putting your heart out there publicly is, is a scary thing to do so thank you for that um that's a hard question to answer especially the way that that cynthia addressed it in saying that she she's looked for fellowship in the church and hasn't always found it that's you know, that, we, we know that's the case. The church can be a, a disappointing place. You know, it's, it's a, it is God's design, but it's also full of sinners and people who don't get things right. I think that is, that's part of the ideal. Part of the ideal is to have a Christian community that, that we find genuine relationships in because, um, you know, marriage is not the ultimate earthly existence. A, a person who is married has not gained value in God's eyes, Has not gained value in terms of their their contribution to society, and we know this. Jesus was a single man, and was the happiest, really the happiest, most fulfilled person who ever lived. Paul was a single man and did wonderful things for the Lord and wrote with such compassion and joy and affection for people, and so there was there was real fulfillment in that, and so there there is a sense, there's a reality that union with Christ fills up should fill up every void in our life for married people and unmarried people because i am married but i went through a period of singleness so I, I was married once and and actually went through a divorce and then went through several years of singleness before getting remarried and i had to learn the lesson that i was not less of a loved child of god less of a church member less mm. of an anything mm when i was single and then getting married didn't it didn't change my identity in the eyes of god or my value my union with christ my relationship with christ has has to be the thing for the sake of my wife and for the sake of my eternity and for the sake of my happiness otherwise i'm putting a burden on her she can't hold so for me that's i think that's part that that's that's probably the the summation of the answer is that a profound relationship with Christ fills that void from an identity perspective, and it doesn't fill up every human void. We are made for community, but but it does fill up a an anchoring, solid void or a place so that we don't have that void and so that we have a foundation.
0: Yeah, I love your question, uh, Cynthia, and I so appreciate your answer, Barnabas. And I say amen to everything you said. And I also think it's important to acknowledge that uh, I have a friend who's single, and uh, she reminds me often that she's pretty content being single. Uh, Like, she's not at all uh, eager right now to, in this season of life, maybe at some other time, uh, to get married. So I recognize that as, uh, there's a lot of singles listening to us, that there is a spectrum here, right? But, uh, some fall into Cynthia's camp. And I do pray Mm -hmm. that, uh, churches and pastors are listening, uh, because this is a challenge to us to make sure that we are working hard, Cynthia, to encourage, what the early first century church had. They had the large gatherings together in worship, but they also broke bread in one another's homes. So we have to be able to do that. It's to gather, scatter into smaller groups and uh, have a rich sense of community. Barnabas, I know you believe in that, uh, in your work at Emmanuel Nashville. You're overseeing a number of areas, but groups are one of them. And uh, man, I pray for Cynthia that she would be able to find herself in a group at her church and experience a deep sense of community there. But Lord, we also pray for Cynthia that uh, in your timing, that you would, if it's your will, uh, send her the right husband to uh, uh, allow her to experience that joy as well, but mostly may she find her joy in you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, we're going to take more of your calls. Talk to Barnabas more about this Hoping for Happiness wonderful book next up. When you listen to Equip, you know I love to introduce you to some incredible guests and topics, but there's one person that I want you to meet more than anyone else. His name is Jesus, and he wants to have a genuine personal relationship with you. He even died on the cross to take the punishment for all of our sins so that we can join his eternal family. If you want to know more, simply call 888-NEED-HIM. That's 888-NEED-HIM. You're listening to a pre-recorded encore presentation of Equipped with Chris Brooks. Welcome back to Equipped with Chris Brooks, having a fascinating conversation with Barnabas Piper about his newest book, Hoping for Happiness, Turning Life's Most Elusive Feeling into Lasting Reality. Is happiness possible? Uh, Is it even biblical? And uh, if it is, why is it so hard to experience in a fallen world? Well, Barnabas addresses that and so much more in the pages of his book. I want to encourage you to please get a copy. I believe it'll be enriching and help you to embrace what I would consider to be a spiritual rhythm that all of us need to lean into. Uh, Gratitude, thanksgiving, and experiencing happiness, all of those things uh, lead us into a deep, more fulfilling relationship with the Lord. It helps us to have a more credible witness. And so I encourage you to find out more at our website, equipradio.org. That's equipradio.org. Barnabas, if the number of calls we're receiving is reflective of the fact that this book has hit a nerve, then you really uh, were led by God to write this because so many people are responding to it. I want to ask a question on behalf of Jenny, who's listening in Idaho. Here's her question, Barnabas. She says, I've been in a season of peacefulness for over a year. I'm actually becoming a little concerned and guilty that I am. That I am. Uh, how am I supposed to feel? Is it okay for me to feel peace?
1: Man, that's a that's a great question, Jenny, and thank you for, thank you for submitting it. Um, I think the short answer is that yes, it is okay. I think um, Jesus tells us that in this life we will have troubles, but take heart, He has overcome the world. And so with that in mind, we, we know that there's going to be ups and down seasons, but when God gives us a season of peace, we should use it almost like a sabbath season in our life it's a, it's a time of refreshing of of worship of gratitude of flourishing um you know the bible has different stories about there there you know there will be seven years of plenty and then there are periods of drought and i think that there's kind of a spiritual metaphor in some of those as well and so this is a season of plenty so relish it be be grateful to god for it use it so you, you know use the the, the bounty that God has given you to bless other people in terms of your, you know, your emotional capacity, your relational capacity, because there will come a time when things are not so circumstantially good and, and the peace might, might be a little bit harder to come by. And so this is, this is a time of promise to feed into those
0: times of less. So, and it's a gift from God. It is a gift from God. Thanks Jenny for submitting that question. You know, Barnabas, uh, Leviticus gives us these, uh, the seven feasts that God actually commands, these celebrations and gatherings, what does that tell us about God's perspective, even His uh, desire for us to experience happiness? I think what's
1: most striking about that to me is how many there are. You know, if you think about it, and these are some, some of them were annual, some of them weren't, were, were, you know, there was more than one year between, but it was a rhythm of gratitude and celebration for very specific things you know where there there was gratitude for like the Passover feast was a constant remembrance a yearly remembrance of God's freeing of the people for example and so god has built into the rhythm of worship and the rhythm of life or he originally built in this pattern of thanking him keeping an eye on him feasting yes. together enjoying his plenty. And, and even the weekly rhythm of a Sabbath, and I'm not a strict Sabbatarian kind of person, but I do, there's profound benefit in, in, you know, following the Sabbath. That's a celebration of sorts. It's a celebration of God's faithfulness. It's trusting in him on that day while you work the other days. And so all of that is God's design for our, really for our peace and our goodness and, and
0: ultimately our happiness. Yeah, I love that, and you know, it's it, it. You know what those feasts do, and what communion even should do for us as New Testament believers is remind us uh, that God has uh, this wonderful redemptive plan that He has uh, brought to us through Christ and is fulfilling, and we are part of that, and we are a part of His chosen uh, people, and so to. Uh, remember that, to be reminded of that should bring us a deep, lasting, God centered, and abiding happiness. But you know, you mentioned something that if we're in a season of happiness, right, and the people around us aren't experiencing uh, that. I remember my mom telling me once she was in a season where uh, her closest friends were all facing challenges. Uh, in their mm-hmm. families, in their health, but yes, she was in a season of blessing and abundance, and that was a hard thing for her uh, to navigate in that time. You you encourage us that we should share our happiness with those who are hurting, um, uh, without making it worse for them. H- how do we mm-hmm. do that? How do we share our happiness with those who are hurting?
1: Yeah, I think it's it 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 really depends on the circumstance, but the. If it is, if it's a an emotional or spiritual blessing that God is giving, so you're in a season of spiritual health, emotional peace, you know, relational, like a solid relational place, and somebody who you're close to is not, it's it's bringing them into that, it's sharing it, it's God has given you an, an overflow of of peace, of perspective, so that you can that person has needs, and you can. Um, you can pour into them without it being without it feeling like it's being leached away from you you know we all have we all have friends who sometimes it feels like they take more than they give but when you're in a season of abundance it doesn't feel like they're depleting you Mm. it feels like you are in a place to give more than you normally would for their good for their joy to help them see the goodness of god if it's a material sense you know you've been blessed with with money or possessions that's a little bit easier that's just that that's basic generosity. Are you helping meet the needs of those who who have them? Um, but yeah, it's, it is a, the biggest thing is a perspective of what God has given me is not mine. It is, I'm a steward of it. My job is to use it well. So it's not mine for the the holding on to the collecting, but for the, the right use and the right distribution for his glory to make his name great and, and to bless other people in his name. But how
0: do you do that without making it worse for people? So if mm-hmm. if I'm happy, my friends are going through, they're hurting, they're experiencing loss, I certainly want to share in that. I know for me, happiness is multiplied. Joy is multiplied when you're able to share it with friends and mm-hmm. loved ones and others. But yet you don't want to, uh, on the other hand, make someone feel worse about their situation. You understand what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah. You don't want to rub it in their face and walk in and kind of be like, well, I'm in a great spot and you're clearly not. So let's talk. Cause yeah, that'll make them feel even lower. I think if, if you're, if your generosity is marked by the grace of God, then what you're really doing is walking into their context. And yeah. so you're joining them side by side to bear their burdens. Yeah, You have additional strength to, to help their depleted strength. You yeah. have you're filling up a void in their life, so you're not you're not holding anything over their head. You're not gloating. You're doing what Jesus did. You know you're you're almost lowering yourself in a sense to their depleted state to say, "I'm going to walk with you through whatever this is," because because God has given me the ability to do that right now. So God God gets the credit, and I'm taking the steps to walk with you through this hard thing to bear your burden alongside
0: you. I'm, I'm entering into it with you. Yeah, I love the connection you just made between joy and strength, happiness and strength. Nehemiah 8 and 10 comes to mind. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, so if you think about it that way as added strength, yeah, I can come alongside and step into someone's uh, maybe valley moment, maybe their trial, maybe their hurt or pain or loss. And uh, with the the additional strength, uh, joy, happiness that God has blessed me with, uh, share some of that burden. I think that's that's great. Um, you know, one of the pages of a book that I love, and you know, I think is often overlooked when people read through books, are the dedication pages. <laughs> and I love your dedication page. This book is dedicated to Emmanuel Church of Nashville. If I tried to name the individual people who have poured the hope and life of Jesus into me into these pages, I would have to add a whole additional chapter. Instead, I'll simply say thank you for your constant, persistent dedication to walking in the light, outpour, outdoing one another, rather, and showing honor, welcoming one another as Christ has welcomed us, and showing me that there was hope and happiness to be had when I was at my most weary. Uh, first off, that's a beautiful dedication to a church family. I love that. Uh, but secondly, talk about the role that the local church plays in this equation for us as believers. Yeah, thank you so much for asking that question. Just a, a chance to brag
1: on the local church, not just my local church, because there are there are so many hundreds of amazing churches. But um, for me, the way that God used the local church for me, and I think this this could be just just as true for so many other people. I arrived at my church, Emmanuel Church. Um, coming up on four years ago, coming out of, you know, a a broken relational place, low emotionally, burned out spiritually, not having given up on Jesus, but just not sure where to turn next. I just felt genuinely weary. And what I, I was folded into was a context of healthy, genuine, honest, humble fellowship where people were so willing to, to, to take on my burdens and take them to the Lord with me and to be honest about theirs. So there wasn't any pretense and the, this, the constant putting forward of the love of Christ and the grace of God as a place of healing and the the effects were profound. And along with that was just this grounded earthy sense of like, we really enjoy life too. Part of enjoying Christ is enjoying life together. So enjoying food, enjoying drinks, enjoying laughter, enjoying music, you know, enjoying one another's company, and you, you get the the whole picture of that. Yes. And you know, God in His in His uh, surprising providence ended up moving me from that weary place to joining, being called to join staff, to being you know called and ordained into the pastorate as an assistant pastor recently. All of which is is just miraculous and baffling to me. I would not have been able to predict that four years ago. And, um, and all of that, all of that only could have happened in a local church context where believers were committed to Jesus and to one another under the leadership of really faithful pastors.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I love that you said that's possible for every local church, but there was something you said to me when we were talking before the interview even started. And you said this about Emmanuel Nashville, and that is that one of the blessings is that you guys have unity around um, something other than peripheral things. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's so key to the local church experiencing the type of joy-filled uh, worship and life-on-life experience that you talk about uh, without pretense, um, with a deep sense of grace. It is when we have our unity centrally on what uh, is uh, most central to the Word of God, namely the Gospel. When we have our unity around peripheral things, the politics of this world, uh, the um, tribalism of this world, then it is so fleeting and this fragile unity turns into uh, disagreements, factions, divisions. So if we want a strong sense of joyful unity, Let it be centered on the the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, we're going to take one short break. I promise you we're going to land this plan in the heart of the gospel. Don't go anywhere. Much more to come next up on Equip. What is Equipped with Chris Brooks? At its core, this program is just real people who are trying to deal with real life and looking for biblical answers. Tune in every weekday and that's what you'll hear. But none of this is possible without the generous monthly support of our Equippers. You can join the growing family of supporters today and begin receiving special benefits when you call 888-644-4144. Or if you prefer to automate your gift, simply go online to equippedradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks, the rapid-fire round. Barnabas Piper is on the hot seat. We are talking about hoping for happiness. I'm going to pepper him with some really important questions and see how many you can answer. Barnabas, first question, deeply spiritual. I'm a huge Michigan State Spartan fan. Is it wrong for me to base my happiness on whether or not they beat Ohio State tonight? Well,
1: I mean, I think there's a good versus evil question here as well so there we go uh, you know
0: there we go I think, it, I, I, I think maybe maybe there's you, you might be in the right I love it I love it you know what you just became my favorite author just that quick there we go <laughs> all right here's a real question though uh, let's tie our our happiness to our Christian witness is there a connection as we're trying to reach our neighbors our networks co-workers with the gospel? Uh, between our happiness and our witness.
1: Absolutely. Um, which is not to say that a Christian should put on a false face, because that's not happiness. That's that's uh, deception, um, which is obviously not the root of, of representing Jesus well. But it should stand out to people that the realities of following Jesus lift our hearts in such a way that kind of no matter the circumstances, we... We are not brought low. We're not hopeless. We're not, you know, we're not giving up. And I want to be sensitive here because there are people who struggle with anxiety and struggle with depression and struggle with really burdensome, weighty things. And again, this is not to say you need to go through life with a grin on your face, but so much of happiness is tied to hope. And so, if you can express hopefulness, in the midst of burdensome things, you're on a trajectory of happiness. You know where your happiness lies. And so even in the darkest places or the most burdensome circumstances or the most burdensome, weighty, emotional things, your hopefulness defines you. And so, yeah, the happiness, hopefulness combination is really powerful for a Christian witness.
0: All right. So Isaiah describes Jesus as a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. How does that reconcile with your book on happiness? I think honestly, that makes me happy
1: because that means that I have a savior who understands my life circumstances. Because, you know, Hebrews 6 talks about how we have a great high priest who, who has been tempted just as we are in trial. You know, he, he is familiar with all of our trials. And and so that lifts my spirits to know that. I am not trying to follow a savior who doesn't understand at all what I'm going through. And the, the whole idea of hoping for happiness is not that you should be a hundred percent up all the time, but that there is happiness to be found in this world because in Genesis one, God created a good world and Genesis three twisted everything, but it didn't remove the good from this world and it didn't take God off the throne. And so Jesus entered into that fallen world, He understands us. So that actually gives me more hope. It lifts my spirits to know that a man of sorrows acquainted with grief is my intercessor, is my Savior, is the one who I can look to. Because if that wasn't true, I would, feel, I would feel hopeless. He doesn't know what I'm going through, but He
0: does, and the That's Bible good. tells us that. That's really good. Hopefully that encourages someone. Uh, all right, uh, for this last question, I want you to take your pastor's hat off for a moment and put your... <laughs> parent hat on. And there's a lot yeah. of moms and dads that are listening to me right now. You're on this journey as well as a parent. Um, how do you help your kids to experience this? In particular, all the studies are revealing a growing, rising epidemic of anxiety and depression. So what do you want to say to parents who are walking with their kids through the fallenness of this world on how they can help them to experience greater happiness?
1: yeah that's man that is a burdensome question because any loving parent wants wants the best for our kids i have two daughters who are who are middle school and high school age and and it's a tough it's a tough season of life for them you know it was tough before social media before smartphones before everything but that's compounded it and i think practically that's a piece of it is as much as it's possible limit their exposure to what they experience on social media because all that does is add awareness and burden that they are not equipped to handle in the same way that we're not equipped to handle it, except they're even less mature. It's too much being, being aware of all that. But more importantly is, do you have a pattern of being in the presence of God in the word and in the presence of God in prayer, even just a very simple, we do this after dinner. That's the way, that's the way we do it. Just after dinner, read a passage of scripture and pray together, and we try to pray for something we're thankful for and someone or something we want to lift up that's in need. Just trying to create this pattern of God is real, God is on his throne, God speaks to us through his word, That that's where we put our hope. And and that gives the grounding for every conversation thereafter. So if they're dealing with anxiety or fear or anger, we can come back to the word and say, but but what does this tell us? That is more real than what you see in the world. That's more yes. true than what you heard from that person.
0: You know, I was blessed to have parents who allowed me to vent, allowed me to be transparent, uh, maybe at times Mm -hmm. even too real. um, But in the same way, always brought me back to truth. And and I pray that I'm that type of parent as well. Uh, Like you said, what I love about your book is it is grounded in – and, and very much sober in its happiness in that it's not just this shallow optimism. We're not just trying to tell people to put a, a fake smile on their face. Um, and so in particular, those who have ministry kids, I mean, you have to create a space for them to be real. And uh, I appreciate yes. your book has done that. Brother, we could talk for three more hours on this and still not scratch the surface. Thanks for taking out time, Barnabas, to be with me. Thanks for writing the book, Hoping for Happiness.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor, and I've really enjoyed it.
0: Folks, you can find out more about the book, about Barnabas, at our website, equipradio.org. Also, social media, again, is available for you. I can't wait till we're together again next time. Until then, remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.